you would, go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 16. I, for one, uh, enjoy occasionally watching um, YouTube videos of people failing. Uh, anybody ever? Any, anybody else? I'm the only one who likes watching fail videos. Uh, I didn't think I was, and if you just, you know, probably some of you just lied about it, right? You like watching people fail. I think it's part of human nature. Um, some people, my wife's not in here, I'd pick on her because she laughs really loud when people fail. And one of my sons has picked that up. Um, it's not nice. Uh, it's part of human nature to laugh at people when they fail. Those videos, it's part of human nature. I think there's, there's part of us that takes joy or pleasure uh, in other people's failures. And I think that's but rooted in this like sinful desire to think that we are better. And I'll, I'll tell you that if you've watched the news lately, if you've observed uh, kind of Christian culture or Christianity in general, you've noticed that there have been a lot of people who are finding joy in the failing of the church. And so as churches fail, people have definitely, uh, in, 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 they've taken this moment to kind of bask in the failing and, in, in, and enjoy it. Uh, several articles that I've, I've read lately, one on CNN uh, just this this week, um, they love to fail. If you think back, kind of uh, throughout the beginning of this year, uh, Hillsong Church, um, kind of a, a mega church movement that started uh, out of Australia, uh, big within the worship movement. They've had they've definitely had some failings. The church is like just coming apart, and the the organization as a whole is coming apart. And people have just kind of basked in their their failure. Uh, Hillsong. Uh, has written a lot of music, and you can kind of see their theological shifts over the years. And uh, really, they've kind of become this kind of health, wealth, prosperity, light uh, version of, of church. And as their, uh, some of their major pastors have had uh, failings, uh, immoral failings, some of them sexual, man, the churches, the world's just kind of rejoiced in it. Man, for us, uh, in our church network, this is true for us. Um, we are a church plant. We're three years old. We're part of the SEND network, a network of church plants planted by uh, Southern Baptists through what they call their North American Mission Board. And so we are part of the Southern Baptist Convention. It's 47,000 uh, autonomous churches, so we're not like a true denomination. I'll talk about that, what that really means later, what a denomination is later in this, this church series but, but no one is like above us. We're autonomous. We're congregational. Our congregation makes its own, own decisions. Um, but we partner together uh, for the sake of missions. And so we have um, about 3,000 missionaries uh, all over the planet and some of the hardest uh, reach, to reach places in the world. Uh, we plant somewhere about around probably 600 churches a year all over North America through our uh, agency. We train we have six uh, seminaries that train uh, pastors uh, spread out all over America. End up, a lot of those end up being our missionaries and our, our church planners or pastor in uh, a local church. We've got uh, a few other different, different organizations. Uh, there's actually six, counting the seminaries as one, that we kind of support and cooperate together to do. And in, in recent days... Um, news has come out. Now, most of this has been known uh, since like 2019, but there's been some new findings that show uh, that we've, we've, got, we've had some major failings. Um, 
as, as, um, as a, a network and convention of churches, we've had failings, and, and, and people are sitting back and kind of looking, and some people are kind of basking in it, often religious people who claim to follow and love Christ. And, and man, I would say that many of us and uh, many Southern Baptist churches, when the Roman Catholic Church has had its issues or other denominations have had its issues, they kind of do the same thing. It's kind of weird. Um, so in recent days, I've, I've had this question. Do you think this is the end of the Southern Baptist Convention? I've heard this question asked. And the answer to that is, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not God. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Because there's 47,000 churches. Churches. What is a church? We're talking about that. We're define that. What is a church? These, but these churches won't just go away. They're not just going to vanish overnight. The, the, co- the, the kind of the convention, the cooperation could end. But the church will not just go away. It can't just not exist. Listen, here's the big idea. As we head into uh, Matthew chapter 16, here's the, it's the big truth that I want us to walk away with from church today. Is that Jesus' church is eternal. Jesus' church is eternal. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 16, and this is the, the passage where Jesus says to Peter, you're the rock where I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. This is actually uh, the third time that I've preached this text in our three years as a church plant. The first was our launch service, July 27th of 2019. I preached it just several months later, in June, uh, let's, by the way, if you were at that first worship service that we ever had, raise your hand. So, one, two, three, four in the room. Four people, five including me. It wasn't much higher than that in the first service, right? So, just saying, like the church looks, most of you haven't heard this sermon. Uh, the second time I preached that text was June of 2019 when River City Church merged with us. And so, River City was a as uh, another church that was in town, and due to some circumstances really outside of their control, they had a pretty uh, abrupt ending. And as they prayerfully kind of considered what to do, uh, they kind of, Lord, led us to each other, and they merged in with us. And so if you were at that service, raise your hand. All right, so it's the same people, plus Ross and Vanessa. Uh, you guys, because you guys, I think, came like our second or First Easter, right? You came at Easter. And then Stacy in the back, she was part of, of River City. AJ, who's running sound, was part of River City. Uh, Andrew, who was up here leading worship today, kind of leading worship today. His poor voice is gone. Um, anyway, he, he, he was here. And so there's some real, like, kind of big pieces of the part of our family that were here on that day. So this is going to be my third time preaching this text. By the way, I would just say this is the most intimidating time I've ever preached this text because Bill Tinsley's in the room. Bill, raise your hand back there. Uh, Bill wrote a book on this text. <laughs> it's a good book. Um, it's on church planning. And uh, Bill is a mentor of mine. And uh, uh, he just really is a, a man that shepherds a lot of the church planners in northern Colorado and invests in us. So, Bill, I, I, look, I'm not trying to exposit this text today, okay? I'm highlighting some things I've already exposited in the past. You can go back and listen to those sermons. All right. Now, now that we've covered that ground, let's go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13. 
Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others, Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bond on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Now, I'm going to go well beyond this text today, so I'm only going to just draw out one point from this text today. That's kind of a couple points. And here it is. Jesus, the Son of God, is the builder of the church. Jesus, the Son of God, is the builder of the church. And so there's, a, there's a, actually a very profound theological statement uh, that, that's really caused uh, the world to be divided in half in that big idea, and it's that Jesus is the Son of God. So what we're saying, we're talking about the builder of the church. From this, he says, I will build my church, right? So the builder of the church... Um, is Jesus. It's, it's the, the Son of God, the one who's both fully God and fully man, the one who was in heaven with God when the world was spoken into being, when life was breathed into man, Jesus was there. He, he's the one who's, who's going to build his church. He's all-powerful. He's a Omnipotent, omnipresent, right? He's an all-powerful God who's present, not just now, but present through all of history, through the very founding, every moment in the church he's been present for. He is the one who is building the church. Jesus is the Son of God, and he's the one who's going to build the church, which brings us just to the question, well, what is this church that he's building? So you're telling me when the, when the rafters were put up in this church, Jesus was here? Well, Technically, yes, he, he was. That's not what I'm talking about, right? Uh, in, in our culture, we so often just kind of miss what the church is. Like, we think of the church as a, what? A building? An organization, right? I remember being taught, this was like something I was taught when I was little. Here's a church, here's a steeple, open the door, and there's the people, right? Who was taught that? Well, it's wrong, Right? <laughs> Because here is the church. It's the people. It's, it's the, the ecclesia is the, the, the Greek word that's used. And it's, it's the called out ones. It's the called out people. And the gathering of them, that is the church. The church is people. And so when somebody says, well, I, I don't like Overland Church, I'm offended. Not because they don't like our building. It's ugly on the outside. It's kind of cool on the inside. They don't know that. They've never been in. That's fun. You, know, you, you, you don't like the pastor? That's okay. I don't like him half the time either. You're saying you don't like our people. I like our people. You're good people. I like you. You're my friends, right? We, we live life together. We do life together. When, when the going gets tough, we get together, right? When, 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 when things need to be celebrated, we celebrate together. Like, 
we're, it's, it's the church, right? So there, there's one, one thing we kind of we think like, oh, he's the builder of the church. Now, there's some other terminology that I just want to throw out there, and we're, we'll like dig in these later on in this series. But you've got the church, um, universal. So here, here's, here's what I want you to know. We're, we're, this is not the biggest gathering of believers going on right now. Now, some of you just thought, well, yeah, Timberline's way bigger than you are. Mill City's bigger than you are. Yes, but I'm talking about the one in heaven, right? Where uh, the universal church is all believers of all of time. And some of those believers have already, most of those believers actually have already gone home and are with the Lord in heaven. And they're sitting around a throne in a worship service, in a gathering, the church in heaven, singing out and crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, they are singing, they are worshiping in heaven. The universal church, it is his gathering of his, his called out ones, his people. Why do we sing in church? Well, listen, if you've got problems with singing in church, you're, there's things you're not going to like about heaven, okay? Because we're going to sing a lot in heaven, right? It's what, what, what we're going to be doing. Um, it's the universal church. So the universal church, often when we use it, is uh, all the church uh, through over time. The local church, is, which is a local body of believers. And so if you think um, the church at Corinth, the church at Galatia, the church at Ephesus, right? Those were local churches that were planted. And we are a local church. By the way, local church have birthdays, days they start, and days they die. Right? The local church is not eternal. Jesus' church is eternal. The local church is not eternal. I would just, like, point out, anybody, like, been to Paul's, one of Paul's churches that he planted? Because they're all dead. How about, how, I don't know, let's name some heroes of the faith. How about Calvin? His church still going? Spurgeon, his church still going? No, churches, churches are born and churches die. But his church, the, the Jesus church, is, is eternal. It, 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 it goes. And so you've got the, the church um, universal, all believers over time, but you've got the local church, the church local. Another way to look at it is the church uh, visible. It's how we as Christians, or humans, see the church. And so when we like read um, those news articles, that's people writing about the church visible. But the church invisible is the way in which God sees the church, which is the true church. He knows who the true church is. Just because a building uh, has people who gather in it at some time of the week and it has a sign out front that says church doesn't mean it's a church. Jesus is, is the, 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 the builder of the church. In, in other places, it, it shows you that not he's only the builder, he's the, the architect, the designer. It's a design build. Uh, other places, he's, it shows us the cornerstone of the church. Jesus is the cornerstone. So if, if people are gathered and they're not gathered around Jesus, then they're not a church. So, Jesus is the one who, who builds his church. So often in our world, um, we, we, we do get wrong what the church is, but we also get wrong what the church should do, what the role of the, the church is. As Americans... Um, we often look at everything in, in, in terms of consumerism, right? And how, what we consume and how we consume it. And so, man, uh, the Christian church in America is, is consumer, consumeristic. And when we do that, we kind, of, we kind of have this kind of false equivalency. And we, we look at a church and Jesus building the church by its size and its success. And so we think in kind of human terms, like, man, that's a big church. They've... The Lord must really be blessing it. 
that's a small church. The Lord's not blessing them. And that's just a false equivalency. The, the Lord can be blessing both big churches and uh, small churches. I'll tell you this. Churches can be built to be very large in the power of the human flesh. Men can build big churches. The right charismatic leader, the charismatic personality, the, 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 the person who's figured out the, the logistics and know, and we can look and talk about consumerism. All we have to do is like study the culture the same way that, uh, you know, when you, when you go into Target or Walmart and you go in there and there's like certain things in, in, on the shelves, right? Because they've studied the consumers in the area that if you go to, a, uh, uh, you know, if, I just tell you this. Like, if you go to the Northeast, there's not nearly as many uh, taco burrito shells on at the end of the aisle cap. It's not. They know we love our breakfast burritos, our tacos. They know we love that. Like, it's, it's Tex-Mex, it's New Mex, it's all here, in, all here in Colorado, and we love it, right? Same thing. You can study the, the people in a geographical area and realize, like, this is how... I can give them what they want, and I can bring them in for an hour on Sunday and make them feel really good about themselves. I can boost them up in that way. I can send them on their way, and we can gather a large crowd. Men can do that. And when men do that, those churches fall apart. This is what we see when we look at a, look at a Hillsong, when we, we look at the pragmatic uh, church that's kind of falling apart. We see churches built by men. We can have churches that are built that start off well, but along the way um, can, can lose their course. Churches are born. Churches should die. There, there, are, there are definitely times we, we see it in Scripture where churches should die. We see the Old Testament, if you're familiar with the, the term Ichabod, right? They, they basically pray that this, this, this church, if, if not bringing the glory to God, it's not a church, it's a temple, would fail. Right, so it, it's it's the same thing. If it's built by man, it will fail. It should fail. Jesus, the Son of God, is the builder of the church. I say this over and over and over in our church. This one one statement. Actually, there's a lot of statements, but this is one that I say a lot. If not in the power of the Holy Spirit, then in the power of who? And the answer to that is yourself or man. Right? If not in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the power of who? I just want to bring up the Great Commission um, and the Acts 1-8 challenge real quick. Those are, those are two verses that when we talk about the mission of the church, we, we, we bring up these two, two spots in Scripture. Matthew 28. We call this the Great Commission. We, we, we recite this often, at least part of this often. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now, we, we, we often just focus on 19 and 20, go uh, make disciples. Man, we're, we're a church that wants to be about disciple-making, radical, reproducing, lifelong followers of Christ. Like we, we disciple in this church. We want to be about the nations. We want to be about sending missionaries, planting churches in other places, going on 
uh, missions. We care uh, uh, about the nations, yes. We, we, we care about the ordinances of the church and baptizing them in a public profession of faith, constantly calling people out to follow Jesus, to believe in the Lord Jesus, uh, to be baptized, signifying to the church, right? We're, we're a church that teaches. We want to teach how to observe all the commandments of Christ. We just have talked about this, right? We're those things, but here's what, here's what I want to show you. We want to do it under the authority of Jesus. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It is the authority of Jesus in his church. And look at the end of verse 20. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. It is Jesus who builds his church. It's his Holy Spirit moving and working in his people. Right? It's, it's, you, you don't do the Great Commission on your own in the power of yourself. You want to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, Acts 1-8, just a little bit later, kind of in the, in the narrative, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so that's the pattern for how we go. And we do missions here in, in our own Jerusalem, and we want to plant churches in our Judea, in the very ends of the earth, right? But how do we do it? In the power of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it's God's Spirit moving. And so when he looks at looks at Peter and says, you're the rock in which I'm going to build my church. You're, you're, you're the tool, you're the person whom which I'm going to use. And he used the other apostles, um, but he used Peter. And we see Acts chapter 2 happen, and he's preaching at Pentecost. And we see the, the church in Acts born. It is the, God's movement, it's this Holy Spirit poured out that does it. It's Jesus that builds his church. Now, let's keep going. Verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Now, this is, remember, this is the Peter who he just said he's going to build his church. This is Jesus' Jesus response. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your minds on the things of God, but on the things of man. And so here's the next big idea that I would show you, is that the ways of God are higher than the ways of man. In Peter's mind, one, like he, he, just, he can't understand what it means that the church is going to be built. All the things that Jesus had been teaching him, uh, that we read about it in the Gospels up to this point, that, that Peter's just not getting it. He's just not understanding that Jesus came to die that we might live. That he came to be a sacrifice for our sins, that he would pay our debt. Like the good news of the gospel, Peter isn't comprehending at this point. He's looking at it through the lens of the world. He's thinking in terms of like, if you're going to be king, you have to be alive. Right? If you're going to be put on the throne, right, there's going to have to be a revolution and an uproar so that we can put you on the throne. Right? You, can't be, you can't be dead and on the throne. And so Peter is really kind of looking at it through the, the, the lens of the world, what we would call really pragmatism. He's looking at it pragmatically, right? Uh, that, that's dealing with things like in a, in a sensible way, in a realistic way. It's, it's based on the, the practical not the ways of God, not the kingdom ways of God. And his ways are higher than the ways of man. 
And so he says, no, he can't do it. And like, there's proof that he doesn't get this, right? Because just a few days later, uh, when they come to arrest Jesus, what does Peter do? He pulls out his sword and he cuts the soldier's ear off, right? He's being a, yet a, a hindrance. And his, his worldly view, his pragmatism was a hindrance to his mission, this is upside down thinking. This is, this, is, this is the way that the kingdom works. This is not the way that the earth works. Now listen, I am a pragmatist within my convictions. And so I would be the first to tell you, I like to do things sensibly. I, I like paths of least resistance. I like, hey, let's just make sense. This saves money. This conserves money. I, I, I like thinking in those terms. I don't like making life hard on myself. Who likes making life hard on themselves? Every man in the room is like, not me, and every wife in the room is thinking like, him. <laughs> he does stuff all the time that makes life hard on himself. Yeah. Anyway, I'm a pragmatist within my convictions. That means I want to do things sensibly, but I want to do them as prescribed by the Bible, as led by the Holy Spirit, as led by Jesus. And that often means it's not going to be the ways of the world. The, way, the world's going to see it one way. The Bible's going to prescribe yet another way to do it. It's the influence of, of God's kingdom, his kingdom coming, his will being done on earth as it is in heaven, right? That, that's where we, we, we want to be. And so um, that, that's how we want to live. This is part of this church series as we, we put elders in office, we want to put elders in office as qualified by Scripture, as prescribed by Scripture. We're not looking for men who are like good at CEOs. Like the, the church, one of the, one of the things within kind of our network of churches for years is that they've been ruled by deacons. We'll have deacons at our church, by the way, but they've been ruled by deacons. They're deacon-ruled or deacon-led churches. And that's not how the Bible prescribes it. And when we look at the qualifications for elders or deacons in a, in a ton of churches, they just like look and like, well, this guy runs his business well. Surely he can run the church well, and let's put him in power. And the church and the business isn't the same thing. One, one, one is working in the world, and one is working in the kingdom of God. And so we want to do things, and this is why, why we want to talk about why we do church the way we do church, why we do communion the way we do communion, or baptism the way we do baptism. Like why, why do we structure things the way that we structure them? Why do we gather when we gather? Why do we gather on Sunday? This is the Lord's Day. It's the day of the Lord's resurrection. It's what we see in Scripture. So that's the day that, that we gather. How do we scatter? Where do we go? What's our philosophy of ministry? Well, it's, it's, it derives from our theology. And so that's... that's Part of the ways. We want to think in the ways God's think, the, the ways that are higher than man. I mentioned uh, a couple times the uh, Southern Baptists and their sexual abuse task force and its, its findings. Um, I'm going to speak to this tonight at family meeting. I'm going to answer any questions. It's, it's, it's very problematic, and it, there's definitely um, a burden there in, in my, my heart. I mean, I was there last year at the convention when we voted. Uh, to put this task force forward. We've known about these things since 2019. Um, most everything that came out of the report was from 2019, but there were a few new findings. And, and just for a second, I want to show you where pragmatism was really part, a huge part of what, what's happened. So, I mentioned earlier that we have um, the North American Mission Board, the International Mission Board. So, the North American Mission Board 
um, plants about 600 churches a year. The International Mission Board has about 3,000 missionaries in the hardest to reach, unengaged, unpeople groups. Uh, we have an ethics and religious liberties committee that fights for religious liberties in, in Washington, D.C. We've got six um, seminaries uh, that meet. We have Life's, uh, Lifeway, which is a bookstore which is self-sufficient. It, it, it's our entity, but we don't give to it. And Godstone, which is, is provides pastors insurance and retirement and those things. And we also don't give to that. That's kind of the thing. And so I'm not sure if I named six or not. I don't have it written out in front of me. Um, and then there's our churches. And between our churches and those entities that we have, there is an executive committee. It's very small. Uh, the executive committee's budget is less than, than a, a, like a 500-person, 600-person church's budget. It, it's, it's not a big entity. But they are, their responsibility is to uh, essentially... Uh, help organize the, the, this annual convention where these churches meet together uh, for three days out of the year. They help organize that. They don't run it. They just help organize it, reserve the convention hall, those kind of things. And to handle the fiduciary duties of the, those churches and their cooperation as they cooperate together. Well, years ago, early 2000s, um, Somewhere along the way, and, and I, I don't know where this kind of corresponds with uh, the kind of the scandal that happened in the Roman Catholic Church with, with priests and them knowing that some were sexual abusers and, and moving them around. But somewhere along the way, um, it got brought up that, hey, this, this could be a problem in our churches. There are also people who spoke up about the issue who had been abused in churches, and they spoke up. And so what they did is they created a basically like a Google search, so that any time a news article came out and had the word abuser and Baptist in it, it popped. And so, um, this is very, like I'm trying to simplify this, but, but, you know, it could be sexual abuser, it could just be any sort of abuse, it could be, it could have said they were a Baptist Sunday school teacher, or it could have been a pastor. Now, it would have been any Baptist church. So, if a ba just because you're Baptist doesn't mean you're part of the Southern Baptist Convention, and so... Uh, Front Range Baptist Church right here on Harmony, not part of the Southern Baptist Convention. It's an independent Baptist church. One of the, one of the churches, uh, Gateway, down in Loveland, not part of it, right? Now, that means there's people on there who aren't part of our convention, but it also means that churches like ours that don't have Baptists in the name don't show up on the list at all, right? So this is just a very incomplete list. Right? It's, it's, it's just it's, it's not showing anything. Now, most of the time in these cases, what would happen is that, um, let's say, there's somebody who's teaching Sunday school, and they've kind of worked their way into the, into the youth group. It's a small church, and they're just begging anybody to work in, in students. Somebody's got to work with the students, and so they don't screen them. They don't do anything. Uh, who, who did that 20 years ago, right? No one was doing that 20 years ago. Um, and they got caught abusing somebody, and they got arrested, and they went to jail. Right? Nothing was done, and that person never abused anybody else. Right? There was really nothing to do with that. But there were other cases, and this is where the shame and the scandal kind of come out, where they would get caught, accusations would be made, and they would just move to the next community and slither into the next church and do the same thing there. And they would move to the next community and slither into the next church, and they would go. And then there, there are cases where there were these abusers 
who saw church as the perfect place to be able to get in and to groom somebody in order to abuse them. It's damning, isn't it? Right? Just, just even saying that, just, it just makes me sick. And in those cases, what has happened, it showed that, that, that really nothing was done. And the, the idea is that, like, the, the kind of a, a pragmatic way of looking at things is that, well, there's nothing we can do because we don't have authority over those churches. They're autonomous. They're, they're local congregations. And kind of the chink in our armor is um, that, that we're not like a Presbyterian or a, a Methodist church where we kind of move around our pastors and send them and know what's going on and train them and qualify them, right? We're, we're, we're very much like an independent, autonomous church, like a community church. Right? Our, any, any sort of independent community church has the same kind of chink in, in our armor, which, uh, I mean, it, 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 show, it shows the problem. And so pragmatism happened in that a few lawyers at this executive committee and, and men who probably started out with good intentions along the way made pragmatic decisions that were based on the uh, that were made in the way that the world would make them they were made through lawyers they were lawyers they're thinking like how do we cover ourselves how do we protect our ourselves financially and stuff was covered up like this this is the thing it was pragmatism it was the the cover up and the doing of nothing that has caused really what what I would call is a um, a scandal and so we don't want to be pragmatic. We want to, we want to be, uh, we want to operate within the kingdom of God for the glory of God. We want to do things the Jesus way. We don't want to be like a Peter who says, no, you can't do that because I'm looking through the lens of the world. We want to be people who are people of the book, who do things by the book. We want to be people who aren't worried about our brand, our reputation, we're not thinking, oh, this is going to make our church look bad or our churches look bad. That we go, no, we're going to be people of repentance, people of, of faith, people who, who say, man, uh, we want to do what's right. It's always the right time to do the right time. We want to be people of integrity. I would just, I would just say, man, at our, at our church, um, we, from the very, very get-go, from the very beginning, um, we have placed a very high priority on protecting our children. And so if you come to a kids serve training and you want to work in our kids ministry, right off the bat, you got to pass a background check, right? We do background checks on, on everybody. And, and when they expire or whatever, we, we redo them. Like, e even me, like, I, I promise you, we even redid my background check this year when it expired, right? We train. Uh, we, we do several, we do training with our leaders, we do training uh, we talk about it. As our church has grown and our student ministry's kind of taken off, one of the things I'm just going to be transparent and tell you is that like we've used our kids' kind of abuse training with our student ministry leaders, and we've got to rethink that. We've got to rethink like we we actually uh, abuse looks different, right? And so uh, we've got to watch. We've got to retrain. We've got to think through it with college. We have to think through it with adults, right? We want to be people. That uh, of, of integrity who are doing things with, with, with the way that the kingdom would say and that people matter, the church matters, the little ones matter. Now, let's move on. Verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, 
If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall uh, a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And here's the next big idea, is that if you follow Jesus, you're going to follow him to church. I just, I just talked about, like, we just kind of got, kind of got, like, kind of deep in, like, the brokenness of the church, right? You know the church is broken. There are no perfect churches. There's not a single one on the planet because they're filled with sinful, broken people. Like, the second that I walk into a church and start participating in it, it's broken because I'm broken. It's sinful because I'm sinful. There are, there, there are none. But what we see in Scripture is that Christ died for the church. He came for the church. He gave himself up for the church. It's the people of the church. And when he says, whoever would save his life will lose it, They'll give themselves up. This is, this is not how the world thinks, right? The world doesn't think like gaining by losing, gaining uh, by dying to oneself. We've just went through this, this whole series of new way of life, right? We've talked about what it means to be raised to walk in this new way of life. To be raised to life, you first have to die to oneself. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. The life I once lived in the flesh, I now live by the faith in the Son of God. So, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? He's saying, if anyone would come after him, he'd take up his cross and, and follow him. We, we, we'll follow Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, you want to follow Jesus. Jesus loves us enough that while we were sinners, he still came and he died for us. That he gave his life for us. That we've been forgiven and found and made new in him and so we follow him we deny ourselves and we take up our cross and we follow him and that means that we're going to follow him into an unperfect church it's it's his it's his it's what he has for his believers it's what he says is best listen people there are people in the room with church hurt we, we talk about church hurt listen what church hurt is church hurt is people hurt that's what it is. That's what's hurt you as people. And when you have relationships with people, you get hurt. There's not a single relationship. I mean, it can happen in a family. It can happen at work. You get hurt. But this is what I want you to hear. Jesus is not the one who hurts you. I've caused church hurt. I've been a part of church hurt. I've hurt people's feelings, right? But Jesus did not hurt your feelings. And part, and part of following him is following him into relationship with others, in community with others. We're going to talk about community. We're going to talk about what that looks like to live and have all things in common in, 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 in the following sermon series. But I'm just telling you, as believers, you, if you love Jesus, you're going to love his church. When he calls you to deny yourself, he's doing it at the expense of, look, you're going to deny yourself, you're going to follow me, and you're going to live your life with other people. And sometimes it's going to be messy. And sometimes it's going to be hard. And we've got to forgive each other. And this is like how he works in us and how he sanctifies us and how he uses us collectively as the local church 
as the church invisible, as the church universal, how he's used us over time for his glory and also for our good, how he's accomplished his will and his purposes. I want you to understand that the church is plan A, there is no plan B. Jesus is going to accomplish his, his purposes through the church. And so here's what I would just tell you. We've had a lot of visitors at our, at our church later. If you're, you're a visitor and you're trying to figure out if our church is for you, here's, here's what I would just tell you. We are an imperfect church with a very imperfect pastor. When you look for a church, you need to look for a church that stands under the authority of the Bible and not over it, that takes its marching orders from the Bible, who tries to, to preach by the, live by the book. And this next one's kind of simple. You should go to church with people you like. Now, that kind of sounds consumeristic, doesn't it, right? It's like you, you, you go to, but it's, it's, it's not. Like it's the people that you live with, that you're local to, that you can live life with. I, I would just say, you, you know, I, I know people who drive 45 minutes to go hear a pastor. You should not drive 45 minutes to go hear a pastor. You should go to church with people that you can live life with, that you like, that you're a part of. Listen, this is, if you're a visitor, I would just tell you, you're wanted. You're not just welcomed here. You're wanted here. There's a group of people here who love each other, uh, who love each other well, who celebrate life, who live life, get plugged in to the, to the church, show up to the church, show up, uh, live life, be the, the, the people. That takes time. Right? It takes time to build relationships, and if you only show up on Sunday morning and think, I'm going to listen to a sermon, I'm going to be out the door, and I'm not going to build relationships and live life with people and, and make disciples with people and train with people, I'm not going to serve with people, then, then you're not going to find a church home. Like if, 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 the, if consumerism is what you're looking for, this is going to be a really bad consumeristic opportunity. Like We're going to get a bad Google review. All right? We're broken, messy people. If you're looking for a church that, that, that wants to make much of Jesus and wants to preach the Bible and wants to live life together, I invite you to be a part of this one. For our church, people who are here are committed to one another. Let's just remember that this is Christ's church. It's not ours. It's Christ we're living for. It's not our own good. We're, we're living selflessly for one another. Let's love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, and let's love our neighbor as ourself. Let's do ministry and fulfill uh, the great commandment in the power of the Holy Spirit together. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Lord, we know that it's true. We believe that it's true. Lord, would you use it to light our path, to show us the way Lord, the things that we do, the way that we live our life, Lord, let it be because we're obedient to the scriptures. Not because of pragmatism, not because it's easy, not because it's the best way forward, because it's being obedient to you. Lord, let us live under your authority. Let us submit to you. Let us follow you in that way. Father, for the one in the room today who doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that you'd save that today they would repent of their sins and they place their faith and their trust in you. The Lord, the one, Lord, the one who has been hurt by people in the church, God, I pray that today that, that you'd heal that in their heart and that you'd bind them to the body. And that the very, the very thing that hurt them would be the thing that you use to heal them, to love them, that you may minister to their soul. 
Father, we love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing a song of response.